from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are on Sirius XM Channel 111, and I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we are live from 12 to 1 Eastern time, so... Give us a call, 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866. Give us a call now because we are talking about a very interesting topic today, one that is incredibly popular, and that is negotiating. So let's dive right in. At this moment, you may be on your way to losing out on $500,000. Yep, you heard right, 500 k How is this possible? Well, studies show that if you fail to negotiate your salary early in your career, you stand to miss out on over $500,000 cumulatively by age 60. So today, to help us with that topic, we welcome back Nick Corcadelius, who is the host of Ask the Headhunter and author of several books, including Fearless Job Hunting, Keep Your Salary Under Wraps, and the number one selling interview guide, Ask the Headhunter. Featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, the New York Times, and on CNN, CNBC, and MSNBC, to name a few, Nick has been headhunting since 1979, so since you were born, Nick, and posts a high score of 320 in skee-ball, which is very important. Welcome back to Career Talk. How are you today, Nick? Thanks, Don. I'm doing great. It's great to be back on the show. Yeah, you, you have to uh, you have to up that skee-ball sc- score soon. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, because um, I read that Steve Welch earned 350 points in a single frame ba- while doing it backwards, <laughs> so you've got a little awesome. competition. I'll have to get back to the boardwalk. <laughs> so, Nick, we're really excited to have you on Career Talk today talking about a very popular topic, which is negotiating salaries. And there's a ton of stuff we want to cover. So so let's dive right into it. But before that, um, Nick, I think you have a special time-limited offer for our audience here. I do. Uh, a lot of what we'll be discussing today is uh, in the uh, Fearless Job Hunting uh, Books Collection which is available on my website at AskTheHeadHunter.com. And what I'd like to do is offer your listeners a special discount. If they go to AskTheHeadHunter.com and click on the Fearless Job Hunting books, they can purchase them for 25% off. Uh, If they will use a discount code, which is HeadHunter, the discount code is HeadHunter, it'll give you 25% off any of the PDF books on the AskTheHeadHunter.com website. Awesome. And here's the thing. Whether you're in a salary negotiation right now If you're not, you might be in the future. So this is something that is a time-limited offer. It's going to be open for one week. And if you're making an internal move, if you're moving to a new company, if you are looking to get promoted, these tips will help you. So go to AskTheHeadHunter.com and get your copy of Nick's book. So, Nick, let's just dive right in to the topic today because there's so many questions around salary negotiations. People get very excited. I got the job. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Now I have to do the salary negotiation, and all of a sudden it's it's like you're nervous all over again. Um, So at this point when you get the offer, chances are they've already asked for what you're looking to make or asked for your salary. So so let's let's kind of step back into what happens when you give a salary up front when you're in that very first interview? How does this impact the the negotiations later in the game? Well, Don, you're making a really important point here and that's that salary negotiations really start way before you get an offer. They start when you first start talking to the company. As soon as you disclose your salary history, and, and there's debate about this, but in my opinion and my experience, as soon as you disclose your salary history, you're effectively putting a cap on any offer you're going to get because employers get lazy. They like to take a look at what you're making so that they can base their offer on what your past salary is. So my advice to people is never, ever disclose your salary history before you start an interview process where your offer will get limited. Your ability to negotiate will really be adversely affected. So there's a couple of things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate here for a second because I know that I've had clients who say, yes, but, Nick, they ask this in the actual application 
information and it says I'm not even going to be considered if I don't disclose this information. So, so what do I do then? Well, you know, that's really a phony way of an employer exerting control, forcing you to fill out a field on an online form. And what I tell people is, if you can skip the field, great. Sometimes they don't let you do that. If you want to, just enter all ones, all nines, all zeros, and then somewhere later in the application where they have a free form, you know, for, you know, field where you can just type whatever you want, explain that you don't disclose your salary history until after you've had a discussion with the company. Okay, so... You can get past the electronic application or, you know, don't put it in the cover letter. Maybe you write something like salaries negotiable based on market rate or something like that. Okay, so you get to the phone screen and they're like, great, Nick, um, I just need a number. I need to fill in a box. I have, you know, this is my, my standard. Can you just give me the number you're making now? Well, there are several ways to handle it. Number one is to politely but firmly say, I don't disclose that because it's private and confidential. However, I'd be glad to discuss what I'm worth to your company once we have our interview. If they continue to press, one other answer, which I discuss in my Keep Your Salary Under Wraps book, is to, to explain that your salary is really company confidential at your current or last employer. And in your employee handbook, it says it's company confidential, so you're not supposed to disclose it. Now, obviously, you don't want to lie. You don't want to make this up. But I will bet you that if you look at your prior or current employer's employee handbook, it states that your salary is considered company confidential, so you're simply not supposed to disclose it. So, okay, so I'm, 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 you don't want to get into an argument with the, the recruiter, but you know that your future salary is going to somehow be based off of this, most likely, and that's why they're asking. What happens if you, you fudge it? And I'm not, I'm not advocating that. As a matter of fact, I'm advocating against that. But I know that people do that. They say, well, you know, if I throw in bonus and if I, you know, calculate my paid days off and, and X, Y, and Z, and it's all going to come out to about this. What, what are your I, I'm really glad you bring this up because people uh, kind of skirt over that. And the attitude is, well, as long as I can justify why I packed all these numbers into my salary figure, that, that's no problem. But in fact, it is, because if you fudge the salary that you state during the interview process, and then you get hired, you, you sign the document that says, I accept the offer, and by incorporation, I accept all the terms of employment, the employee handbook and policies, and so on. You show up day one for your orientation, and at orientation, they say, okay, now you're an employee, and now you're required to give us a copy of your last three pay stubs. As soon as you hand those over, and they see that your salary is not what you told them, now that's, that, that can be grounds for termination. So you're really taking a huge risk. I tell people again and again, never lie, fudge, or make up your salary number if you're going to give it to them. But better yet, just don't give it to them. Then you can't get caught because you didn't lie. So you're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Nick of Ask the Headhunter. If you have a question on salary negotiations, we're taking your calls live now at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four at nine four two seven eight six six. And we're going to go to Robin in New Jersey. Hi, Robin. Welcome to Career Talk. Hi. What's your question today? My question is about the resume and how you best represent yourself when you have a number of eclectic jobs. You've done many things at a management level. Let's say, you know, managing a team, managing process, being a liaison between business. How do you best represent yourself? So, um, first question, Robin, is what are you looking to do in your next role? Uh, Hey, Robin, I think we have a bad connection. If you want to go ahead and give us a call back at one eight four four Wharton, that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We'd be happy to answer your question. So, Nick, okay, so here's a situation we've talked about. You shouldn't fudge. You shouldn't lie. Um, let's just say, for whatever reason, you're forced to give the company uh, something up front. So you're forced to give them a pay stub before, and you don't want it to get contentious. And now they know you make seventy five thousand dollars. What now when it comes to the offer? So you get the offer and they offer you 85 because they think you'll be thrilled with that, even though maybe the range is is much broader than that. Do you have any leverage here? Uh, again, let's reel it back. And I'll answer that question. I'm not trying to avoid it. I'll go back to the point where you felt forced to disclose your current salary and you gave it to them. At that point, you really need to say to them, okay, I've told you what I make. Now I need you to tell me 
in return what the salary range on the job is before we start this discussion so we make sure we're both on the same page. Once they tell you that, you know what you have to work with, and you can decide not to continue the interviews. The second thing you can do is say, look, I've told you my current salary, my past salary, but I also want to tell you what my desired range is, and unless we can be talking seriously in that desired range, we really shouldn't proceed. So you're setting a groundwork now for potentially a higher number. You have more control. Once you get to the offer stage where they've actually tendered an offer to you, let's say, give me an example here. They're offering you 85. You were making how much? 75. So they're offering you 10,000 more than you were making. If you're happy with that, good enough. Don't, don't try to push it too hard. Ask yourself, would I take this offer if it was just offered to me out of the blue? Or am I just trying to negotiate because people say you can always get more? Well, you can't always get more. Sometimes what they're offering you really is the limit. And the real question to ask yourself is, are you happy with the number? Don't worry about a few extra bucks. If you are going to press it farther, what you need to do is step back and say, thanks for the offer. It looks like a good offer, but I think I'm worth this much more, and I want to explain why. The biggest negotiating mistake people make is they think that their task is to ask for more and see what the other guy says. That's not it. Your objective, your task, your responsibility really is to be able to explain why you're worth as much more as you're asking and to demonstrate how you're going to bring an additional value, success, profitability to the company that justifies your higher number. So you need to work this out in advance. Never just blurt out and say, well, I think you need to give me $10,000 more. What do you think? You have to be able to say, I believe I'm worth $10,000 more because let me sketch this out for you on paper. If I do X, Y, and Z when you hire me, Here's the added profit I think I can bring to your bottom line. So we are talking all about salary negotiations today. So here's the question on the table for listeners. Should you have to disclose your salary to a potential employer? What do you think? We'd love to hear. Or have you been in this situation? Or maybe you're an employer and you've got an opinion on this. Give us a call at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 942 7866 You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. Okay, so you're basically saying, Nick, that you need to have a walk-away number for yourself. You do. you do. I think people get so excited about the prospect of getting an offer that once they have it, they kind of lose touch with reality at that point. And it's why you need to ask yourself beforehand. Here, I'll give you an example. And here's, here's a little rule of thumb that I give people about what they should do before they get the offer. Ask yourself to come up with three numbers for the job that you're looking at. The first number should be, if they, if they offer you this number, you would probably accept it. You'd probably be pretty happy. So that's number one. Number two, what would the number be, be that would make you say, wow, that's a good offer. I'm, I'm kind of ready to take this on the spot. It's so good. And then third, ask yourself, what next higher number could they offer you that would make you fly out of your seat through the ceiling and explode into the sky because you'd be so ecstatically happy that you would absolutely take it. Now, again, that third number should not be anything outside of reality or reason, but it should be a higher number. So now you've got three numbers. My advice is the, the number that you ask for or expect to get should be between the second and the third numbers. Because if it's the first number and it's just okay, why are you making the change? If it's between the second and the third, it's going to be something that's going to make you happy and you'll be motivated to do the work well and to perform well. So that's kind of my rule of thumb about how to try to come up with a number that you want to negotiate for. And what I love about that is being proactive. So having a an idea before you go in versus waiting for them to give you a number on the table. Because I, I know one of the things that comes up is he who gives the first number loses. <laughs> what, what is your thought on that, Nick? I, I, I've read that in so many negotiating books, and I think practically speaking, it's absolutely the worst advice in the world. If you're not ready to articulate what you think you're worth, then you have no business in the interview because you're just sitting there waiting like a bump on a log for someone to toss numbers at you. You should be ready to understand what it is that you want, be able to justify why you're worth it, and be able to explain it in the interview, so that no matter what happens, you're ready to justify what you're asking for. So there's, a, there's actually a term, it's actually a phenomenon in, in the world of, of, of behavioral economics called the anchor effect. Whoever puts a number on the table first creates an anchor. So if you put in a low anchor, you're probably going to get a lower offer. If you put in a higher anchor number or a higher anchor range, you're more likely to elicit a higher offer or number from the employer. 
this has been written about and researched a lot. So again, my, my advice is be ready to present a range. Again, keep your own salary under wraps, but you should always be ready to express what it is that you want. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk. We are on live with Nick of Ask the Headhunter and taking your calls now at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Bob in Pennsylvania, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Well, um, I just tuned in and and I find myself agreeing with uh, Nick <laughs> about everything he's saying. Um, from the employer side, I will you know I tell them that we have to have a market value. I don't really care what the candidate is making. Let's have our market value and let's you, know, you make an offer based on, on the market value of the position and then the market value of that individual's experience. I agree with what was said so far from the individual side. I think it's important to research and know your value. Uh, you have your current salary, but one of the other things that, that we look at, I think, in recruiting is that uh, you may be two months or three months away from a raise or a bonus, too. So if you start with the company on, on January 1, you may be ready for, a, you know, if you stay with your current company, you may have a you know a salary increase coming in March or something like that. So I just want to say I agree, agree. I've been listening for about the past 10 minutes. I agree with everything that's been said. And that I think the key is from the individual side to know their market value. And I don't understand people who would go into an interview uh, without knowing the range and knowing it's something they could live within. So I just wanted to uh, run those things by you. So, Bob, thanks for giving us a call. Now, you're a recruiter, is that right? Yes, yes. So as a recruiter, so as somebody on the other side, how would you expect or or accept somebody coming to you with their market value? Like, what, what do you want to hear from a candidate when they're saying, here's here's where my what I feel my market value is, and it's based on X, Y, and Z? What is that for you? Well, what I'm looking at is the basic, if you're in a certain uh, geographical area and you want to stay there, some understanding of that area. Uh, if you're in Philadelphia or if you're in New York or you could be in, you know, well, I'm in the Scranton area, you could be here and say there's a different market value for that title in different areas. That's the first thing. It's very easy, you know, I, as I've heard people tell me, we're not in the information age anymore, we're in the strategy age. So it's very easy to go on various websites and see what a general, you know, let's say a marketing director of a company, 500 employees, it's fairly easy to go and find that information. Uh, and then I think, again, the locale, though, I think that's the more important thing, to research companies locally, whatever, whatever geography you're in, to research. And I think it's fairly easy to do that. Uh, so that's what I would recommend. And you have friends. You also have friends and colleagues in the business. There's ways of finding uh, that information out. So from a, yeah, using your network. I love that. Well, Bob, thank you for giving us a call here on Career Talk. It's Thursday. We're taking your calls now throughout the hour. 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866. And we are talking about negotiating. So did you ever stop to wonder if you've left money on the table after accepting a job offer? Or maybe you've been with your current company for several years now and your annual raises haven't kept you at market rate. So you're thinking of asking for a promotion, but maybe you don't know how. Give us a call. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You're listening to Career Talk, and we are on with Nick of Ask the Headhunter talking all about how to get the most money for your market value. So, Nick, let's talk a little bit more about market value. Are there any particular websites that you like for somebody to, to start this research process? You know, Don, I, I, I love what Bob had to say because he was emphasizing that it's really up to the two parties to figure out what a candidate is worth before they make an offer. It's not about a game with HR or the employer trying to figure out how they can lowball the applicant. Um, I really don't like the salary websites and the salary surveys, and here's why. You listen to corporate officers who will say, we want to hire really the best people. We want the people on the leading edge. We want to hire people who think out of the box. And yet when you look at the surveys, what are you really looking at? You're looking at means and medians. You're looking at average. And this is, this is the, it's really a dangerous place to go if you're the job seeker. If you're going to look at these salary surveys and say, okay, the survey says I'm worth between seventy-five dollars and $85,000. If that's what you peg yourself at, you're, you're really doing yourself a disservice. I think you're real challenge is to figure out why are you the best candidate? Why are you out on the leading edge of that curve where maybe you're worth 90 or 95? How can you justify that? How can you present, say, a little mini business plan that says to the employer, I know that the range for this job is between 75 and 85. Here's why I'm worth more, and I want to try to justify it to you. And if, and if I can't explain it to you, or if you don't believe it, then you shouldn't hire me. 
So looking at the salary surveys can be helpful, but people need to keep in mind, especially employers, that if you really want to make a great match and hire a great person and you want to get a great job, think about the fact that we're talking means and medians. We're not talking about exemplary or exceptional people. And if you want to be the exceptional candidate, be able to ask for more and justify why you're worth more. So be very careful with the surveys. They're a good place to start, but don't get stuck on them. Yep. And so after the surveys, one of the things I like that Bob said is use your network because chances are you know somebody in the company, you know people who have worked there or in the industry, and they can be great sources. And and what about you as a headhunter, Nick? Can people tap into that as a resource? Uh, in terms of checking salary ranges? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sometimes get questions from people about what the ranges seem to be on various kinds of positions, but usually they call me up and they want me to go find them a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's a whole other show. So. That's a whole other show. <laughs> hey, um, should you have to disclose your salary to a potential employer when you're getting an offer? What do you think? We'd love to hear whether you're somebody who is in the process of negotiating a new offer, or if you're somebody who is hiring, we'd love to hear your opinion. We're at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And you're listening to Career Talk. So another another piece of advice that I've seen out there, Nick, and I'd love your opinion on is, okay, let's just say the company does give you the range. And I, I don't think a lot of companies do that, unfortunately, but let's say they do, that their rationale is they need to hire you in the lower half of the range because you need room for growth and, and promotions and raises and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> I know what my opinion is on that, but I'd love to hear yours. Well, I, I believe that if you're looking for more, you need to kind of set up the employer. You need to set up the dialogue and the interview so that you can try to get more. And what, what I like to coach candidates to do is when they give you the range, you say, okay, so you have a range, again, we're talking hypothetically, seventy five to $85,000. What is it you're looking for at seventy five? What are you looking for at eighty? What are you looking for at eighty five? And let's talk in a concrete way. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Empl- Ms. Employer, if you were to hire me, what would you expect me to accomplish for you within 30 days, you know, three months, six months, 12 months? What would the experience be like? So that we can talk about how much that's worth to you. So if you're going to hire me at 75 and you expect X, Y, and Z within a year, what is it you expect concretely as deliverables over the course of that year? A lot of employers, especially managers, HR, haven't thought about that, and they really can't explain it, which gives you an opening. As soon as you start having that discussion, you can start saying, well, look, I realize you may not have worked this out, but let's kind of sit down here and scratch this out. If I had this job, here's what I'd be doing for you in three, six, and 12 months. These are the deliverables that I see in the job. What's that worth to you? I think it's worth this much, and here's why. What you're trying to do here is express deliverables that they're not expecting, deliverables that will surprise and delight them so they realize, wow, we didn't expect so much from a hire. This person's talking about something in concrete terms that we're really willing to pay a little bit more money for. So I, I think that's the way you set it up during your interview. Yeah, it's a little bit different way of, of thinking about it. Hey, Brian in Florida, you are on Career Talk. What's on your mind today, Brian? Hey, thanks for taking the call. So, Hey, Brian. Hey, hey I'm a uh, chief operating officer of a, of a company in Florida. We've got about 50 employees. And we're dealing with a lot of millennials here. And I'm a Gen Xer. I'm, I'll be 40 years old. And I was always brought up to, to um, in, in my work career, to show my employer what I could do, what I could prove, and then have them pay me accordingly for my value. I'm dealing with, with millennials, MBAs specifically, that come out and they want to negotiate by telling me how great they are and what they can do without showing me anything. And they want to be paid according to that plan. <laughs> Surprising. Um, so, <laughs> so, Brian, so, he, here's my suggestion. And when I, I do workshops for Wharton, other top business schools, and what I tell these people that you're dealing, that you're encountering is, if you want what you're asking for, you need to be able to walk up to the whiteboard and lay out your business plan for why you're worth it. In other words, you can't walk into an interview just because someone responded to your resume or to your profile on LinkedIn and say, okay, tell me what you want, and I'll explain what I'll do. No, you should be ready to walk in the door prepared, because any consultant who walks into a potential client's office expecting to get an engagement doesn't walk in, fold their hands, and wait for the the client to ask questions. They come in with a presentation ready to go. They've already worked it out. They've invested the time. So from your standpoint, what you would get here is a candidate who says, yeah, 
I want a lot, but here's my justification. Here's my plan. You might view them differently if they do that, but if they don't do that, here's my advice to you as an employer. Before they come in, you say, look, I, we, we want to come in, have you, have you come in, meet you, we're going to have an interview, but we don't just do traditional interviews. We'd like you to come in. I'm going to give you a week's time to prepare. We'd like you to come in. You'll answer our questions. Tell us what you want. But I'd like you to go up to the whiteboard and do a brief presentation on how you would accomplish X, Y, and Z. And we're not expecting you to do free work for us. Sketch it out in a way where you can convince us of what you think you can deliver to our business and to our bottom line. And then we'd be glad to consider whatever it is that you're asking for. So you're putting, I don't want to say the onus, you're putting the challenge on the candidate and the good thing this does for you, it'll eliminate 9 out of 10 candidates because most people aren't willing to do this, and they're not worth hiring. The one or two who are willing to get ready like this, they're the ones worth focusing on. So sometimes, I think as the employer, it's incumbent on you or on me as the headhunter to say to the candidate, here's what we expect from you, and forget that they're millennials. I don't, I don't care that they're millennials, and I don't care what the millennial attitude is because to me, every generation is a new millennial kind of generation. They're starting from scratch. They're trying to understand how the world works. And I think the more you turn back to them and say, hey, this is all about profitability. Show me how you're going to help our business. Show me a little mini business plan, and then we can talk. Nick, I think that is great advice. And Brian, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And, and here's the thing. I value education. I say, go for it. Get your master's. Get your, your MBA. But here's the thing that is always going to be the case. Your skills, what you can do on the job, your experience, and, and how you effectively impact that bottom line is always going to trump a couple of letters after your name. It's great that you have the knowledge, but now the employer wants to know that you can apply this knowledge. So you can't just go in with a list of, of credentials and say, here. So Nick, spot on. Brian, thank you for calling. Very important topic and agree. It's 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 every generation. This is why you can't paper the internet with your resume and expect to get hired. The employers who are truly hiring the best of the best expect a little bit more from you. They expect you to come in and, and give an example. They expect you to go through several interviews. They expect you to invest. So Dave in Texas, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Actually, uh, first of all, thanks for having my call. I love Career Talk. It's such a great show. Um, thanks, Dave. Actually, two different questions. I've got one where we actually are in the process of getting ready to make an offer to an employee today or to a potential candidate today um, and uh, this person is coming from outside of our organization and I'm actually debating with our HR department about what's an appropriate you know bump for somebody who's making a transition from you know let's say one fortune 500 company to another um, you know what what uh, what should we you know expect to pay as an incremental versus, you know, just providing them with a let. This person did give us their, their salary, um, or at least we think we understand what it is. The second question is, I was approached by a company for a role um, where, you know, they're interested in my skills, and I think I bring a pretty unique skill set, and some of the suggestions that you guys have made today have been very good. Um, I've got salary plus bonus plus long-term incentives, and uh, but to leave the long-term incentives on the table, I don't really want to do that. So how do I have that discussion? So those are my two questions. Okay. So, Dave, let's address the, the employee that you're hiring. So your question specifically was this is a lateral – type move from from one large organization to another, you know the salary, and you're thinking, what is an appropriate bump? But even before that, did do you have a number in mind? I mean, is there a range for this position? Has, has this position been valued? Is it a new position? It's actually a brand new position. It doesn't actually report to me. It reports to somebody. It reports to me. But, you know, I got involved because our HR department said, no, that's, you know, that's too much. Um, we should offer this person <laughs> this amount. Um, which basically would be almost a lateral move for this person. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm pushing back. You know, we're probably, I'm, I'm asking for probably 10% above the median. Um, and we do have a range. And it just, you know, I, I, I'd like to go back to HR and go, look, we're asking somebody that, you know, it's somewhat of a lateral move. She's very qualified. We like her. Um, she's got to get, you know, I mean, we, we, we want to make it to, it's similar to what the, that, those three numbers that were mentioned earlier. We want to be between that two and that three, and I don't want to just come in with some lukewarm offer and, and have negotiations. I want to go in with best and final. I want you to be darn excited to get here and not be looking to make more money, you know, 
you know, a huge bonus or, or increase next year. So we want to, we kind of want to just, you know. Yes, you want them to be excited coming on board. You, uh, yes. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how high is this candidate? Um, so the other candidate, it's interesting <laughs> that we're having this conversation. The candidate that we really wanted to hire, we did do some research on what we thought she should be making in another Fortune 500 company because we know a lot of people that work there. And she basically priced herself out of the position because her, her, her request was over you know, what, what we felt we could pay. So we basically passed on our best candidate because we couldn't, we, 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 she was almost at the top of, of her range. And so let me, let me, know. let me just stop you right there. And, and let me try to give you a little bit of an attitude adjustment. Don't think about an employee as an expense. I know you have a salary range. You have what you have in your budget. If you think about the employee as an expense, you're really stuck and you're doing yourself a disservice. Every employee is an investment. And what do we expect from our investments? Returns. If the, if the return that we're projecting is not going to be good enough, we'd never make the investment. So if a candidate says they're worth X, you have to ask yourself, are they really worth whatever coefficient you know, times X that you need to earn a profit off of that employee? So thinking about it in terms of your budget is fine because you have a budget. You could be stuck with it. Suppose you could hire an employee who could exceed expectations dramatically increase your profitability significantly so that you could afford that kind of money, is that kind of candidate then worth it? And the second thing I'll suggest to you, and again, this is a mindset issue, when we ask ourselves, what did your last employer pay you? Or, or what do the salary surveys say you're worth? Think about what, what we're doing there. We're basing our judgment on what our competitor judges a person to be worth or what they judge an asset to be worth which really says we're really not qualified ourselves to figure out what you're worth to us, so we're going to base it on what one of our competitors thinks. So now the bigger question is, where's our competitive edge in being able to judge value? If we don't really understand and can't judge what someone is really worth to us, forget about the rest of the market, what are they worth to us? And if they're really worth 1.2 times our budget, maybe we should spend 1.2 times our budget if we can justify it. Do a spreadsheet. Do a projection. Do a little business plan for the employee's job and say, you know what, if we could get her, she's asking for more, is she going to return enough to make it worthwhile, then maybe it's worth blowing out of our budget. Does this make sense? Nick, you're giving it to them straight. I love that. I love that. I, spot on. Hiring, spot uh, on. I wish more with, employers thought like that. It's so rare. It's the, so rare. The problem with hiring, and, and again, I'm, I'm not dissing the caller here or even their HR department. There's this mindset that we have to work within this structure that the job boards and the salary surveys and the HR practices tell us is what works. But the question to always ask, step back, is this a good business practice? Would you dare approach a potential client or customer with this kind of logic? Well, you're spending this much money to buy what you're getting from somebody else right now. We're going to charge you 5% more because that's the going rate. We want to make a little extra money. No. We're going to charge you 30% more because you're going to make 50 more percent on your return if you buy from us. That's well the logic. And I realize that's a hard sell to HR, but it's where we have to start. Well said. Dave, thank you for calling in and asking that very important question. I could tell that you you want to make this work. You are you're pushing against the, the, the norms and the structure to get great employees on. So good for you. And I know you had a second part to your question. We'll try and get to that in um, the hour, but right now we need to take a break, so we're going to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay. According to nationally recognized resume writer Jessica Hernandez, incorporating this into your cover letter can increase your chances of getting an interview by 50%. Think you know? Give us a call at one eight four four wharton That's one 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM 111. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. And welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are here live throughout the hour. So if it's Thursday between noon and one, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And today we are here with Nick Corcodelius, who is the host of Ask the Headhunter and author of several books, talking all about salary negotiation. And we're going to go right to a call. We're going to Rich in Massachusetts. Rich, thanks for hanging on. What's your question today? Oh, hey, everybody. I'm really uh, enjoying your show. Thanks, so My Rich. question is, I, I'm in um, medical device sales, and it's mostly commission-based. So when looking for a new job or negotiating with a new company, do I use the range that I could be paid in for my previous salary, or how do I negotiate a set commission structure? Yeah, this is a great question. I think this tags on to something one of our earlier callers talked about, too, which is, you know, how do you incorporate salary plus bonus plus incentive? So everybody has these different comp structures. Nick, what do you recommend for Rich? Well, this is really the problem when we're asked to fill out a a field on a form about our compensation or our salary. Here's where it gets more complicated. Anyone in sales can't honestly say my my compensation is $100,000 if 50 is salary and 50 is commission. So again, you have to put something into that field, like all ones, and then explain later on in the application that that's not how your compensation works. But even then, the response to an employer, I think, is to say, it's a little more complicated than this, and I'd be happy to discuss it during the interview. So I I would really caution you about even disclosing both your commission and your salary, because maybe you're getting an incentive bonus. As our last reader, who was a manager, pointed out, sometimes a person is about to get a raise in three months, so do you factor that in? So to employers, I say, please cut it out and stop asking candidates for their salaries, because it's not that simple. It puts everyone at a disadvantage. So, Rich, tell us a little bit about what you're looking for, and um, if you can specific, are you looking to go from commission to a um, Straight up salary type position. Um, well, currently I'm I'm doing you know outside sales, you know beating the streets, doing sales calls, and I'd like to maintain the same level of income. From what I'm doing now is mostly commission based, so I know I can keep up the commission to keep that level. But I'm looking for, I guess more, I guess a step up in a prof- more of a fr- professional sales account executive environment where the structure is definitely not going to be, you know, almost 100% commission-based. So, oh. I guess- so, Rich, what's up? What is actually your question? Rich, did what's we lose that? you? There you are. I'm still here. Okay, great. So- sorry, how can we help you? What's actually your question? Okay, sure. So, uh, I, the idea, how do I answer back when, if I just put in all ones in the salary range? I know you addressed it, but could you dive a little deeper into that? Sure. If you you want to put your total compensation into that field, go right on ahead. But my my point here is somewhere else in the application, there's usually a free text field where you can make comments, ask questions, say other stuff about yourself. That's where you say, referencing back to the salary field, I, I actually earn salary plus commission or I'm on straight commission. And I just want to be honest if you can express the number that way. But again, the other way to express it to them is is to say, I put all ones in there because my compensation is not just based on salary. It's more complex, and I'd like to discuss that with you. That puts them in a position now where they have to look at your qualifications and say, hey, we don't want to miss this guy, so we'll call them up. Which, what, What is the whole intent of an application, after all, but to get a phone call? So stimulate them to call you up without misrepresenting yourself. I think that's a good way to go about it. And Rich, this is a good question because I think the theme of the show and Nick, what you've been pointing out throughout the show is that we're 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 all kind of doing it wrong. We're expecting it to be this lockstep process of you tell me your number, I tell you my number. We write it up in a letter, and you know we accept and, and move on. And it's it's really about something deeper than that. The value of the candidate, the value that the, of the role they play in the organization, getting to know a candidate at a deeper level than tell me about yourself and what are your strengths and weaknesses. And 
you know, this process just isn't happening. This this process is, is not what is going on in the negotiations. And I think one of the things I love about you, Nick, is that you're, you're on this mission to move it to a point where you're not talking about an employee as, as a, an expense line, but as the true value to making a company work. And I think that's awesome. Thank you, Rich, for giving us a call. That's a great question. I think a lot of people out there struggle with that. Hey, if you have a question on salary negotiations or a tip to share, we would love to hear from you. We are live on Thursdays. So give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So let's go ahead and answer our pre-break quiz. So incorporating this into your cover letter can increase your chances of getting an interview by 50%. So you think you know, Nick, you probably know, but I'm going to I'm going to go back to Michelle cuz I think Michelle has an answer. She's all ready to go. I'm so excited about my answer. I'm pretty sure it's right. Okay. And I think that you mentioned this on the show recently. Oh, it's true. I did. I did. So you actually may be right. And I hope because Dion has an answer. I'm hoping it's not the same one. I'm going to guess bullet points. Oh, bullet points. Um, that's helpful. Oh, <laughs> was that the same answer, That's Dion? The same answer. Dion had the same answer. <laughs> Wait, we, we need two X's here. <laughs> Come on. Um, so <laughs> it is it, it is not bullet points, but I do like the idea of bullet points in a, in a cover letter. So so uh, guest engineer Danielle, Danielle, do you have a a guess? I was going to assume like a photo. Oh, a photo. Okay, that, that may depend on the quality <laughs> of the photo, but no, <laughs> we do not recommend putting a photo in in the uh, in the cover letter. So, so actually, incorporating this into your cover letter can increase your chances of getting an interview by fifty percent. And the answer is a call to action. Just ask for the interview. So you know the old saying, ask and you shall receive. Well, apparently it's true in this case. May sound like common sense, but how many times have you sent out a cover letter with your resume and not asked for the interview, but rather ended with something passive like, thank you, I look forward to hearing from you. Instead, try this. In the closing paragraph of your cover letter, be assertive and say something like, I'm excited to speak with you further to share my qualifications and discuss how I can make a positive contribution to ABC Company. I'll reach out next Wednesday to schedule a meeting. And there it is. Just ask for it. It's it's very simple. So anyway, <laughs> Thank you for listening to us today. We are taking your calls live throughout the hour. You're listening to Career Talk. We're on 1844 Wharton, 1844-942-7866. And we are here with Nick of Ask the Headhunter talking all about salary negotiations. And this is a hot topic because the fact is, Nick, a lot of people don't negotiate at all, which leaves a lot of money on the table. But let me ask you this. Is there ever a situation where you think negotiating isn't possible? Um, It's not so much that it's not possible. I think it's always possible, but I think people sometimes negotiate because they think they have to. I have my, among my readers on com, they will often say to me, I just got an offer and I've always been told that companies always come in low, and so they expect you to come in with a counter, and so I need to ask for more. How much more should I ask for? I tell them, no, no, no. Ask yourself, are you happy with what they've offered you? Now, we talked about those three numbers, you know, the low one, the extra high one, the one in the middle. Ask yourself, does it come in between the second and the third? And if it does, say thank you and accept the offer. Because asking for another 1000 bucks on top of an $80,000 salary really doesn't make much difference, and you might actually wind up jeopardizing the offer altogether. Companies do turn around and rescind offers sometimes because somebody negotiates unreasonably. So you need to ask yourself, is the offer good enough? If it is, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Just take it. What about negotiating something else, like vacation time or perhaps a bonus? bingo. I'm so glad you brought this up. Uh, We think alike, Nick. I love it. Uh, People get stuck on the idea that negotiating is is about salary. If you're in a commission job, for example, you can sometimes get a better commission deal. But there are other things. There are other bennies. Is there there a company credit card you can use to take people to lunch? Is there technology you can use at home? I I have one client who provides cell phone, laptop, subscriptions to to, uh, services online, all kinds of stuff the person can use in a variety of ways. It's a real benefit. costs them less money. 
So you can you can negotiate for other things, but the trick, I don't want to call it a trick, you have to think about this in advance. Don't sit there trying to come up with ideas on the spur of the moment. Think about it in advance and ask yourself, what else can I ask for? If I can't get A, can I get B or C? The best thing to do is say, thanks for your offer. I'm, I'm really excited about the fact you want me to come to work with you. I'd love to come and work with you. I'd like to think about the terms and get back to you within 24 hours. Then sit down in peace and quiet and ask yourself, what else could I ask for? And make the attempt when you call them back if you think it's justified. Yes, I love that you said that because I agree. Never accept on the spot. You could say, thank you. I'm very excited about this. Can I have a day to review everything and come back to you with any questions I might have? Because this gives you the opportunity to sleep on it and you say, wow, you know, my last job, I had four weeks vacation. They're offering two. You know, maybe there's a place to meet in the middle. So Brian in Maine, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi, thanks for having me. I have a question. Hi, uh, hi. How can you negotiate a higher pay rate with a lesser yet acceptable uh, degree? So the just to be clear, Brian, the company is asking for a certain level of education that you don't have. Well, actually, the, the specific question really is if, there's, if they're saying that they're looking for a, a BA, but they prefer a master's degree, you have a BA, uh, you, you have the luxury of getting an interview. How can you uh, negotiate a higher salary without having that, uh, that master's degree? Oh, Brian, the main question. thing to remember is not, your degree is not going to do the job you are. Love and it. While, while HR may have those checkboxes and they want to fill out the checkbox for the BA or the MBA, the actual hiring manager is looking for someone who's going to be able to do the work effectively and do the work profitably. So I, I think to answer your question, what you need to be able to do is explain and demonstrate how you'll be able to do the work in a way they want it done regardless of one degree or another degree. So it's really incumbent on you to ask yourself or to find out in advance, what do they really want done? Or say to the manager during the interview, tell me something. What, what, what would you want your best candidate, your best hire, to pull off inside of six months or a year? Forget about the deliverables, what the job description is. If someone came in here and really pulled off a good one, what would it look like? And when they tell you that, your challenge now on the spot is to think quick, and to explain briefly how you would go about doing that. That, to me as a headhunter or as a hiring manager, impresses me way more than someone who says, hey, I've got the BA and I've got the MBA. Tell me what you're going to do for me. Be able to explain it and justify it. That's why I'm willing to pay more money. And Brian, I, like I said, advocate of, of higher education, but if you think that is a key to overcoming having experience, being able to demonstrate how you can close the, the pain gaps that the company's having, it's not. And I will even say, as, as a former corporate recruiter, a lot of times that's put on a job description. And if you actually ask the hiring manager, well, why is a, a, a higher degree preferred? They can't even answer that question. It just sounds like a nice to have. We would like to have some somebody who has a master's or an MBA. Well, why? Um, and I wouldn't recommend going and doing that. But I'm just my point is for you as a candidate is to not sell yourself short, because they ask for or prefer, I should say, prefer a higher degree that you don't have, because chances are, you could have that higher degree and not have the skill set that you, Brian, bring to the table. So so just to repeat what Nick said, it is all about how your skills today in that role are going to help that company's bottom line. And and that degree or a couple letters after your name, chances are that's not what's going to be what gets you there. So good luck with the negotiations, Brian. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. If it's Thursdays, we're live at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four. 942-7866. So here's a question for you, Nick. Um, should you negotiate with the either headhunter or recruiter or directly with the hiring manager? Uh, that's a good one. And you're asking a headhunter this question. I know. So I, I know. When, when a headhunter, when you find yourself a job opportunity, you're going to negotiate with the employer yourself, of course. If a headhunter brings you the opportunity, now the situation is different, and you have a bit of an obligation to that headhunter. You also have an advantage because by negotiating with the headhunter, the headhunter will then go and negotiate with the employer, with his or her client on your behalf, which gives you an edge because they're probably better at it than you will be. So I don't think you ever want to go around the headhunter to go negotiate with the employer unless the headhunter is totally inept, which 
probably happens 90% of the time. But if you have a good headhunter, you want to negotiate with a headhunter and let the headhunter go play intermediary. If the headhunter is, is kind of messing around with you and is not doing a good job, now you need to know, you need to ask yourself, do you want to take the risk of alienating and upset, upsetting the headhunter by trying to negotiate directly yourself? It could be worth it, but you have to make the judgment call. So interestingly, though, as a headhunter, depending on how you get paid, whether and I'm not going to go into contingent and, and all of these things, but I mean, is it really worth your while to get a couple thousand dollars more for a candidate? It might be very worthwhile for them, but is it worthwhile to you? Well, people think that we'll learn, that I'll earn a higher fee if I can get them a better salary, but I'm not going to negotiate for a better salary if I think that my request for, the, for more money from, the, from my client is going to jeopardize an offer altogether. So yes, I get a benefit when I get my, my candidate a higher salary, but like the candidate, I don't want to jeopardize the offer altogether. So I'm going to be very careful. What about an internal recruiter? So let's just say that you you got an offer and the hiring manager extends the offer, but they're like, okay, now HR is going to take it from here. What do you think about that? Well, we had an earlier caller uh, who was a manager who was trying to offer more money to get a candidate than his HR department was mm-hmm. willing to allow. So I think that kind of answers the question. You really want to be very careful about who you're negotiating with. The recruiter is not going to hire you. The recruiter doesn't really understand what you're worth. It's the manager who can understand what you're worth, and it's the manager you can convince and cajole and provide evidence to that you're worth more money. So I think you always want to negotiate with the manager rather than with the internal HR recruiter. I agree. And it, it's it's one of those things where it's an opportunity for you to see if the person that you're going to be conceivably spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week will go to bat for you right on the on the front end of this whole situation. So That's a great I agree. Point. <laughs> That's if, a really great point. And if they're not willing to go to bat for you now, what are the chances they're willing to to put in that time and attention later? So I think it's it's an it's a really missed opportunity if you don't negotiate with the hiring manager. Something I discuss in my fearless job hunting books all the time is every interview, every offer is an opportunity for you to test the employer. And as you just pointed out, you want to test them because if you can't figure out whether they're going to back you up and be good for you once you're on the job, then don't accept the offer. You really need to use your opportunity to test them just like they're testing you. Nick, the hour has gone by so quickly. As always, it's been a pleasure having you on. Your advice is spot on, direct. And I love that because you know what, in the in the job search or when you're hiring, this isn't something to mess around with. So thank you. And again, if you can let listeners know where they can reach you and where they can get that special offer before we sure. go, great. If you, if you go to AskTheHeadhunter.com and use discount code HEADHUNTER, you can buy any one of my PDF books for 25% off. And I'll also say to your audience, we've had great questions. If your question didn't get answered or you didn't get called on, Feel free to send me an email at nick at asktheheadhunter.com and just put career talk in the subject line. Ask me your question, and I'll do my best to get back to everybody who put it on the blog. Yeah, and, and Nick works overtime to get that done. So, Nick, thank you. As always, it's been great working with you. We appreciate it. I also want to thank Michelle and Dion and our guest engineer, Danielle Bruno, for helping us run the show today, as well as all of our callers. Career Talk is all about you. We are here each week live on Thursdays, taking your calls to get you a job you love and get you to earn as much money as you can doing that job. If you want more great tips and advice, you can sign up for my weekly blog, dawnoncareers.com. You've been listening to SiriusXM, Channel 111, and we are Career Talk, and we will see you next week.
John Mugar, M-U-G-A-R. Uh, who I believe is the CEO.